Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. As Chief Financial Officer at GSA, Gerard Bedoric manages a $25 billion budget, all its financial functions and activities, and with that, he is also leading one of the largest, if not the largest, automation efforts in federal government. On the heels of releasing its first RPA playbook, Bedoric discusses current progress for implementing and sharing best practices for RPA, plus a little bit about how he came into his role from the private sector. Gerard, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. Thank you. We had you at our CXO Tech Forum. We discussed a lot about GSA's efforts with RPA, and I was super interested to hear more about that effort and your background, especially being in the private sector and kind of what we can look out for in the future. So give us an overview of what you are doing with RPA. Yeah. RPA is really an exciting part of my job. It, it is very satisfying to bring new ideas and new technology to employees. So in my role as a CFO, we have started up an RPA practice at GSA that not only does applications for the financial community, but we're also doing them across other functions and offices within GSA. As a result of that, we had other agencies ask us to help them understand how to get started and how to make progress quickly. So we talked to, to many of them, but then decided to form a community of practice. And that's the RPA community of practice. So in the RPA world, I'm trying, I'm running a, a GSA sales and marketing team that's trying to, that's working on applications and RPA. I've got a, a factory that's developing applications. And I also have a community of practice effort that is helping other agencies with their progress in, in RPA. And so... AI and the more granular level of RPA, we hear about it so often in government. And maybe there's not much understanding of how government agencies can use it or how far along they are in using the technology. So are there any myths you'd like to dispel about the technology? Yeah, first with RPA, there's a lot of concern over employees losing their jobs. And, and that's not true at all. It's really about automating parts of an employee's job. So so the automation opportunity is there. Second is that employees will be concerned about this. And at a GSA, they're excited about it. They want to get parts of their job automated so they can move and, and get more work done during the day and move to higher level activities. So, so those are probably two of the large larger myths. The other is, you know, you, you may hear that, that the best RPA project is the one with the highest ROI. And that's not really true. The best project is whatever gets you started in this technology and allows you to achieve results and takes you down the learning curve. So I think agencies need to be careful about taking on too big of an application because it is a learning curve and you need to understand what it takes to put automations into production. So it's not always the highest ROI application or the biggest that will be the one you should start with. And your motto, I guess, is to really be a doer, as you've mentioned to me before. You're not so much just there to talk about RPA, but you're actually kind of there making things happen. So the RPA playbook recently came out out of your office. Can you go into what that playbook looks at? 
Yeah, so we've had uh, many agencies that, that have talked to us about some of the challenges. So, so the playbook is oriented around 10 different areas. Four of them are in technology. The other six are, are management practices. But it actually uh, helps agencies understand what they need to do, whether they're just starting out or whether they want to move to a higher level of performance on RPA. So initially, I wasn't that excited about playbooks because I, I thought, okay, it's a playbook who reads it. But I really like the, the one we've produced because it was input from members of the community of practice. And we had leaders of each of the practice areas, and they wrote up what they thought the processes and policies should should be. We then went in and refined that with my team at GSA and put out the playbook. So I really think it's a good product uh, that introduces you to RPA and helps you understand what it takes to get started. Do you think RPA will result in immediate savings? Indirectly, it will. So if you think about what, what RPA is doing, it's allowing you to get more work done. It's creating more capacity. So you won't maybe not need to hire for additional workload, but it helps you to reduce backlogs. So it will produce the value and the amount of work that agencies are able to do more so than immediate cost savings. So go into what the RPA maturity model is and how can agencies really get started in using this technology, considering that's really one of the the main things of what you're trying to spread the message about. Yeah. So the maturity model is interesting. When we thought about what was important, we identified the attributes of a highly successful program. And by successful, I mean productive as well. So the first measures are that you've got to be able to produce automations and you're producing five to 10 automations a month. You've got dedicated resources that support this. You're doing it across all functions within agency, just not specializing in finance or specializing in acquisitions. You've got processes set up with and policies with your IT organization around ATOs and automation approvals. You've got an enterprise platform and also process improvement is part of what you do uh, as of the RPA automation because when we go in and look at automating a process, we look at how the process is being performed and what's around it, and we optimize the process. So RPA is a big process improvement opportunity as well. So if you're doing all of that, we would make you consider you a level four, and then it's graduated. But, but level one is an agency that just has a pilot or has less than five automations in production and the way that we've characterized it. And agencies can be excited about that and have one champion for a function, but the ability to scale this and deliver applications and automations across all functions of the agency is key. And it's also key that you can, that you've worked with your IT organization and have efficient and proper processes in place for them to be part of the, the solution. So GSA your office in particular is involved in a lot of this automation work. I, I believe you said you had over a dozen RPA models in production right now. Can you go into how you think that might influence the rest of government? Yeah. So we, we have 41 automations that are in 41. production, right? And we probably have a pipeline of automations that will keep us busy for the next six months in, ter in terms of development. When you think about automation and what it means – 
you have a list of th- things you want to get done today, and I have my list, and we always don't get them done. And wouldn't it be nice to have them done by 2 o'clock in the afternoon? So so RPA and automation is really about pro- employee productivity. You're helping to make employees more productive, and it's something everybody is interested in because agency leaders and CFOs and CIOs are asked to do have the organizations get a lot of work done. And if you have a method to come in and make your employees more productive and they can produce more high-valued work during their work day, and then that's really a, a huge benefit across government. And that message is out there, but what we need to solve is, is how you scale this and how you get significant results in a short period of time. That's the challenge. But but RPA is a tremendous technology. If you think about some of the software packages, Microsoft Excel, some of the BI tools, if you didn't have those, just think about how long it would take to, to do some of this work. And so RPA, what will happen with RPA over time is the automation that RPA puts in place will allow employees to be more productive in the responsibilities that they have. And it will not, and you're not really eliminating a job, you're, you're you're eliminating tasks and making the workers more productive. You've said before that you want to influence how government uses this technology. How do you think the community of practice is going to accomplish that? So the community of practice has two goals. One is to bring the leaders in RPA across the federal government together to solve some of the common challenges. Agencies have different solutions. And if you think about it, what we're asking agencies to do right now is to solve them on their own. And so if you have agencies, and we have several in in federal government that that have been able to produce many automations, they should be sharing their solutions and getting together and optimizing those solutions. So so solving the challenges is, is the first goal. The second is really how do we share the solutions? How do we do knowledge sharing and mentoring of agencies that want to get started? So the community of practice has hosted since September five sessions or workshops where we've had an industry day. We've had a session for acquisition professionals, one for finance professionals, and a couple on on how you select use cases and some of the technology challenges. And and agencies can send their employees to this to share in the knowledge. And, And we oftentimes have other agencies that are leading in the RPA effort, sharing their knowledge and presenting and in and, and discussions with agencies that want to learn how to do this. So we're really trying to build an effort that's collaborative across government where we both solve the problems and we also share that knowledge with other agencies. So with these efforts being basically born out of your office, is this in itself something that agencies can be inspired by or learn lessons from? Yeah. Well, so, so I'm, I'm inspired by the, the teamwork and collaboration. So while we set up the COP, the practice leaders, and, and there are over 50 agencies that are members of the COP, but we probably have 15 or so leaders. And they, for the playbook and for these sessions, they're devoting their time to help other agencies and to help us solve the problems. And the teamwork that is there, the collaboration, the problem solving, it's just exciting to, to see this. And when I think about the federal government, I think of it as a corporation. 
and the corporation has a bunch of businesses and business units, and they all shouldn't be reinventing the wheel and, and, and solving problems by, by themselves. You need to share the solutions and work together. So in federal government, that is more of that would help us all. And I think the, the community practice and, and specifically RPA is an opportunity to demonstrate that and what you are able to accomplish if you can work and collaborate as a team. Now, your background, you came from the private sector. What are some of the things that you worked on during that time? So I, I had a long career at MCI Communications, but I spent half my time in finance, half out, and I've been at, at some other organizations where I've been in COO roles or, or GM roles. So it, it's really about delivering value. And even in some of the large operational organizations that I've run, we would have an IT organization that would build and manage the big systems. But I, in one of my roles, I had 100 developers that worked in building tools that would make the organization more more efficient and effective. And RPA is a, a little bit like that, where you have to think about how technology can solve your problems, because there's a lot of pressure on, on costs and profitability and productivity. And it's really neat when you can use technology to solve those problems. In the private sector, clearly a bias towards action, getting results uh, every quarter. You're looking at, at your revenue and what you've done. And, you know, as, as I've been in the, in the public sector, I look at every day and every week as what needs to happen this week. What have I done? How do I need to adjust my strategy a little bit to provide more value and accomplish more. So those those are private sector lessons. And also in the private sector, you commit to some goals that you have no idea of how you can accomplish. But it's part of you know philosophy I have, which is identifying your home runs. And if you can do that and you're ambitious, you're not going to get everything done, but you're going you're to do some things that really make a difference. And, and the private sector was more oriented towards that approach. There's reasons for the government sector to be very averse of, of any risk, but, but it's neat when you have something like RPA and, and can set some aggressive goals and, and actually get results. Now, how are you taking your lessons learned from the private sector, as you mentioned, and applying it to some of this RPA things? Is, is government looking at the private sector at all to adopt this technology? Certainly, you, you want to learn from anyone you can, you know, consulting firms and all that, that, that can help you get started and understand how to select use cases and all that, because you, you can't read the playbook and figure that out. But my goal is, is to go faster than the private sector and not to be as good as the private sector, right? So, but some of the lessons, and there actually a little bit of that in the playbook, philosophical things, but things like just get started. You don't have to figure out the grand plan solution and design as long as you can meet the security requirements and you have a cooperative and supportive IT organization, which I have at GSA, and we're partners with them, you can get results and, and just get going right away and, and see what see what it, it takes. When we when you think about the investment in RPA, you can say, okay, I'm gonna spend a lot of time managing every nickel and dime, what I care about is limit your investment, but then try to determine how to make that investment the most as productive as you can, right? So the way that I look at that is produce as many automations as you can that's freeing up as much additional capacity as you can for a level of, of investment. So it's not about micromanaging the investment, it's about making it as productive as possible as soon as you can. Do you think government is far away as far as where it needs to be with this technology, or do you think it, it's been making some progress? Clearly making progress. A lot of agencies on the verge 
but you really have to be focused in results. And, and, and GSA is structured a certain way. We have large cabinet agencies that have to think about different approaches to RPA because you don't want RPA to be uncontrolled and everybody developing their own automations. But if you have a way that to set the program up so you can take that enthusiasm and creativity and provide the support structure around that, then you can win. And, and I think it's, it's we have some big agencies that are on the verge and really applications that could make a huge difference. So I'm looking forward to the next six months, 12 months to, to seeing uh, some really big wins out there. What has been some of the feedback that you've heard from other agencies or other leaders in this space, especially with the community of practice? Yeah. So first of all, the enthusiasm is a 10 out of 10, right? Very excited about it. But as you talk to folks and you ask a couple of questions and where are you with results, you'll find out that there is a challenge to develop it broadly across across the agency. And that's what agency leaders uh, have to realize. But But they are... Uh, they're excited about it. I know some agencies have songs about bots and, and they are just so enthused with it. But I believe in setting aggressive goals and moving forward. And I think if, if agencies can do that soon, then it will make a huge difference. And, and clearly there, there are some that are ahead of GSA and, and doing very well in the space. Wow. Songs about bots. I've not heard that yet, but now I'm going to want to Google what that is. Do you know any off the top uh, of your head? I've not heard the song yet, but (laughs) I I will uh, let you know when I hear that. But but it's an agency that does, and it's part of the enthusiasm, right? So on the one hand, you know, one of the first questions you asked me was, will employees lose jobs or what about cutting costs? And there's a level of excitement around this if you roll it out the right way. And leaders and employees can get very, very excited about this. And I just go back to my example, right? We all want to get a certain amount of accomplished in a day. And if you had a way to automate 20% of what you needed to do today, wouldn't that excite you? And that's really what's what's out there for employees because they can move on to more meaningful work that's part of their job, but they will be much more productive. And I think engagement and satisfaction increases as well. It's something that even I've started to do in my own personal life as far as I finally got a ring doorbell and it automates anytime there's motion. It tells me who it was, or, you know, shows me a video. And then now you can integrate that in like home systems with how your lights react to certain things. So just thinking about it from a personal level of how I use it, the applications in your workplace are just rampant. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's a technology and we should think about it as a technology that will help us be more more productive and be excited about it. And I think, you know, that that's the, the case at, at GSA and I think at most agencies if it's communicated the proper way. And in our case, we actually had a we actually went to employees and, and they put forward some ideas and we actually discovered work that we could stop doing. Wow. So we don't have to automate it. We could just stop doing the work. And, and so that's not, a success and not, not, in and of itself. You're exactly right. So that was uh, when I set the goal to have the first automation in production in 100 days. And we looked at a couple of the pilots. One of them was we thought about doing. When we stepped back and looked at it, we said, well, we really don't need to do this anymore. So that led to an effort called Eliminate optimize, automate that we've done within the organization, which the general idea is if that happened to pop up, how many more uh, ideas are there like that? And, 
you know, I, I believe in leaders coming up with strategy and setting some of the direction, but the ideas come from employees because they're doing the work and they understand uh, what's going on. So if, if they understand the opportunity that they have, they're going to put forward some good ideas and it could be, you know, employees at, at all different levels. And it seems like engaging that next generation of workers is something you're thinking about as well as far as skilling the workforce. That's incredibly important in RPA as well. It is important, but but the things that are the cultural things of RPA, which is you want the most efficient process. You don't want to do work that doesn't have a lot of value or is not not necessary. Optimize your processes. So if you think about it, if you hire new employees, it, it, you can almost think about RPA being part of their training, not because they will go develop automations, but but they need to be thinking about what can be automated and what you can do and and work that you do not need to do and how to make processes that they'll inherit. And if you think about an employee, they're they're walking in and they've not been doing that same process for the last five years. And, and so that they will they will take a, a fresh perspective. So I, I think it, it is a neat opportunity. So looking ahead, you do have the RPA playbook that came out and you're constantly involved in efforts with communicating the message or working with agencies, especially with the Center of Excellence and Community Practice. What are you looking to immediately tackle next? I want the sessions, the knowledge sharing to become a regular function, and I, I want it to be easy to have other leaders in government do this. Some of the challenges on the technology side, there are different thoughts on credentialing and ATO policies and, and those types of things, but but I would like the the IT community to think about and learn from agencies that are further ahead, but think about some solutions and approaches that can be adopted across government or at least recommended agencies so they're not starting from ground zero. And then the use case is another exciting opportunity where we're collecting from agencies their RPA automation use cases. So we'll have a set for finance, a set for acquisitions. Depending what's out there in the HR world, we'll have a, a set for HR. But by sharing these, agencies will immediately know what they can automate. The other exciting area across federal government is an automation that could be applied across all agencies. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't have the answer to that yet. I have some ideas. But if we're able to build something that would make all agencies more efficient in something that they are commonly doing, so it would have to be some data or responsibilities that all agencies have. If we can automate that and be able to offer that to every agency, all of a sudden you would have an automation that you're applying across the entire federal government. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that, that would be great. I agree. <laughs> then we're we're thinking about it, but other agencies are thinking about it. And the community practice is is we actually have some of those members together that are thinking about RPA thinking about government-wide applications. So it's, it is exciting, and, and you're right. It would be great. Well, thanks so much, Gerard. This was awesome. I, I was glad to have talked to you at our event a couple months ago, and I'm glad to have had you back to get some more deeper analysis into some of these things and your viewpoints about the technology and where it's going. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate it. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. Theme music provided by Big Hoax.
If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.